2: All things therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'd love to connect with you as my listener, and you can do that in two different ways. You can go to latalkradio.com and click on my show page for all things therapy. From there, there'll be a link to my website, which is a second way to reach out to me. It is nolatherapy.com therapy.com, N O L A, like New Orleans Los Angeles therapy.com. You can book sessions with me remotely or in person. You can inquire about being a guest on this show, or if there's someone you'd like me to interview, please let me know. You can email, call, text me, and subscribe to the show. There's a link on NOLA therapy for you to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, recently now iHeartRadio. I have a YouTube channel. If you search, put in NOLA therapy, and all of this helps me have greater visibility in the world, bringing you messages of well-being and how to handle certain situations that we encounter as women, which will be the topic of our show today. In just a moment, I'll get there. Lastly, I'd love for you to become a patron and support my show through the campaign I have with Patreon. They are a platform. They support podcasters, authors, artists for us to be financially supported to do the work that we love. That direct link is patreon.com forward slash all things therapy and their links at nolatherapy.com and on my LA talk radio show page. So if you're listening in today and you're a woman working in a male dominated industry, you might want to particularly tune in and if you're a man working in a male-dominated industry, and you really care about changing the way you might deliver your messages and change the tone of how business is done today, you additionally might want to tune in. I have two guests today, and they will be talking to us about the challenges of being heard in industries that have traditionally been male-dominated. And they're going to talk to us about what has worked for them. I have two really powerful and brilliant women guests. I'll start by introducing Kay Baxter. She's an attorney, partner, and manages the New Orleans office location of Cosmich, Simmons, and Brown. Her clients include Fortune 500 companies. She is a history as a career litigator, and her current specialization is in toxic, tort, and environmental law in both state and federal courts. She was recently inducted into the Top 50 Lawyers Hall of Fame by New Orleans City Business. She serves on local boards in her spare time. She teaches at Tulane University Law School and volunteers for the Louisiana State Bar Association's professional program. Kay is barred in multiple states around the Gulf South region. She is joined by her friend, also attorney, Nicole Russell. She owns and directs her own firm, Trading Council Solutions, and her firm's focus is on advisement to energy trading clients. Her company is based in New Orleans, however, she has clients worldwide. Nicole counsels clients on large energy transactions, including multi-commodity trading contracts, infrastructure infrastructure transactions, and cross-border trades. She's a founding member of the Women's Network for Energy, Environment, and Transportation. I'm getting a little tongue-tied. She's also the annual co-chair of the American Conference Institute's Women's Leaders in Energy and Environmental Law Conference. She's a frequent speaker on leadership around the US and on energy trading issues. And additionally, Nicole is barred in multiple states as well. Welcome, Kay and Nicole.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yep. We're thrilled to be here. You're um,
2: welcome. I thought that one
0: of the things that might be of interest is how Nicole and I met. We I actually love to be met. Sure we met at uh, the conference for women leaders in environmental and uh, toxic tort litigation. Nicole was actually chairing it, co-chair, and I was on a panel of with other female attorneys. Now, Nicole and I are different in our practice. Uh, my practice is litigation, and Nicole's is transactional. So our experiences in life have been a little bit different. But at this conference, I was speaking on a panel, and it became quite evident immediately that this room of female attorneys was seeking a safe place to communicate with one another. Uh, We had to ask, in the first panel, ask for questions, and one of the participants raised her hand and said, when do, as a woman, when do you get to the ask, Mm A-S-K? Wanted to know when it would be appropriate for a female to go in and ask for a raise or Mm -hmm. a change in her position. It was easy for men to go ask, but when was the right time for a female to ask? And so that sparked something in both Nicole and I that we realized that this conference was really something where women wanted to be able to communicate with one another and feel safe and protected in doing so. And Nicole and I became fast friends, and we had this conversation on a pretty frequent basis, maybe every time we get together no, about. I think pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when we came up with this idea, and thank you very much for, for asking us to participate, um, we've just sort of been kicking around what our experience has been with trying to have our voices heard in what is certainly has been a male-dominated industry since it began. So... Um, I think that I would like to say that Nicole is one of the most articulate uh, people I know. She when she speaks, it's always well thought out, measured. She uh, has no problem communicating. She's a great communicator. And uh, I know I, I, I've learned a lot from her, so I appreciate my my time with Nicole, and I certainly I'm going to be interested in all of her uh, points of view today.
2: As am I. Yeah. Nicole, I, I think you, know, do you want one to
1: start? Of the, um, I think you know, one of the things that was so interesting about the way that Kay and I met was there was so much energy in the room around these issues. You know, and and I think Kay and I and, and many of the women who were in that room had a very similar experience in that um the the women that we sometimes interact with on a day-to-day basis um, are not always the senior folks who are sitting around the, the meeting table with us. In fact, you know, more often than not, I, I can be the only woman represented in the room. Um, and so, you know, it creates this situation of being the other in your workplace on a pretty frequent basis. And so I think that conference really highlighted to us how helpful and important it is to create this network of of women who are of a level uh, to be able to speak candidly about the challenges that we see and perceive. Um, Which isn't to say a lot of our, our male colleagues aren't willing to have those conversations I, you know, I think men are more often part of the solution than they are the problem. Yeah. But it is really helpful to have people to speak to who have a shared experience, right? And I think that's definitely something that we saw in the
0: room. I would agree. And I would say that the other thing that's important to both of us is, you know, women who have the level of experience that we have, We both feel it's very important to pass that on to the next generation, the Mm -hmm. younger ones coming up. Uh, It's something I, I, we both do. Take time to make sure that, like my younger female associates, as well as my male associate here in the office, I try to make sure that they understand they need to communicate and the best way to do it. So with that, we sort of take we'd like to take our experiences and maybe share those with um, the listeners.
2: I love that. I'm thinking also, Kay and Nicole, that you're paving the way for upcoming attorneys. I'm I'm thinking of the trading floor and also toxic tort and environmental law being an industry with maybe, you know, you all paving that way with women stepping forward into those professions and those specializations. So I think I imagine you can mentor a lot of young female attorneys as well through this journey. Of creating safe spaces to come together and talk about the issues you face,
1: absolutely. I mean, mentoring has been really a touchstone of mine throughout my career. When I started my career, I was really um, i'm I'm really grateful that I had several really interested and powerful men and women who stepped forward and really took me under their wing. Um, And one of my early mentors was a gentleman um, by the name of Alan Fish, uh, who at the time was with the law firm of Howery, and Simon, he now, I believe he has his own firm. But um, he said to me, look, I'm gonna help you. And then when you're at a point in your career where you start saying to yourself, you know, I'm having success. I, I feel as though I'm getting it and I'm having success then I want you to go out and mentor people and pay it forward. And um, and I did that, and, and I'm grateful that that was the condition that he placed on his mentorship, and, and I do the same thing with, uh, with the folks who I mentor. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm really conscious of is creating vertical mentorships, right, where I'm always reaching out to the next level and trying to find people who are going to advise me as I proceed in my career. Mm. And I'm always trying to reach down and pull people up. Um, I like that. But, you know, one of the things, Lisa, that Kay and I were talking about that I think both of us are struggling, particularly um, with the folks who were mentoring now, is, you know, when it comes to male-female relationships in the office in particular, you know, we ha- we developed a lot of coping mechanisms that we dealt with. You know, I-, I feel like sometimes I'm lugging around this toolbox where, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm being interrupted. Here's one of the coping mechanisms I use for that. And, oh, you know, someone had just said something inappropriate to me, and here's a tool that I use for that. And And while I think it's helpful, certainly, to pass along that experience, to, to my female mentees. I also am hesitating at this point because I, I do feel as though hopefully the dialogue is changing, you know, and, and the tools that I had to utilize, which never involved going to HR, for example,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: speaking or, you know, raising the issue to my boss. Um, I'm I'm hoping that that's changing. And I want to yes. make sure that, you know, my um my advice is timely, you know, and and maybe, you know, that doesn't match my own experience.
0: I hear I you. Think, I Go ahead, think Kit. that yeah, that um a lot of places don't have HR. I know when I was first started, mm. there was no HR, nor did I have anyone reach out to mentor me. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, I'm a sponge. I go in and I look around and I absorb everything I can possibly absorb. I see how things work and I learn uh, how each operation works and then how do I best fit in. I also was have always been able to make a niche for myself because I can always find what it is that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking with jar, I, again, I don't know that a lot of companies have that because some of them simply aren't big enough. So I think that what we'd really like to talk about is how we've, you know, our experience with communication and, um, male dominated certainly in litigation i go into court majority when i first started were men judges mm. and i was frequently mistaken for the court reporter because i was a female mm. yeah.
2: wow yeah
0: and um so that's changed there are now more females yay my class i think was the first one that was 50% female in my law awesome. school and um We had 52%, but what was interesting
1: was when you broke down the number of, the percentages of male versus female who had jobs at the end, it was, you know, there were many more of my male classmates who had employment. Uh, That's interesting. I had never, I've
0: never thought about that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... But that was 20 years ago, right? Like I'm just gonna go ahead and date myself. <laughs> yeah, that
0: yeah. was 20 years ago. I think mine was totally different now. Yeah, right? mine was 24 years ago. Anyway, one of the things that we found, you know, let's let's jump in here.
2: Yeah, to your that, experiences.
0: Yeah, that as females, we find often that when we speak in a group, if we're in a group situation, business, uh, even. Frankly, even in a casual personal experience, it seems that men feel comfortable in interrupting what we're saying, and not all men. We're not painting everybody with a brush, but my experience has been uh, in professional settings, men feel comfortable in interrupting when I'm speaking, uh, I can be standing and having a conversation with a male colleague, and it's not unusual for a male that who is not familiar with me, who will walk up and get right in front of me, in between me and the per- and the male I'm speaking with. They feel comfortable doing that. Wow. Um, the older I get, I think the less comfortable they get doing that because I I have. Uh, uh, developed a a habit of saying excuse me i was speaking and getting in front of them so (laughs) okay good so So you'll just
2: directly address it
0: yes i've learned uh, you know for years i didn't i didn't feel comfortable doing that and i think that's you know nicole's certainly done the research on this and i think females are much more you know less likely to assert themselves
1: yeah, I mean it's a real catch twenty two, right? You know, one of the one of the things I always find interesting is to take something that I'm I'm observing anecdotally and that, you know, women I'm speaking with are observing anecdotally and finding out whether or not there's been any studies or research on the point. And, you know, on this one in particular, you know, there's there's one study that was pretty comprehensive that shows that men in meetings, in particular, account for 75% of the conversation. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And even when they speak less, they're perceived as speaking more, right? (laughs) Interesting. And the more they speak, the more competent they're viewed, whereas women are perceived as speaking more than they are from a percentage basis. And the more they speak, the less competent they're viewed. And and you know, I think when you hear that in Stark terms, it can feel quite shocking. But certainly as a woman and, and a woman, you know, in corporate America, I spent my careers actually sitting on trade floors of Fortune, you know, five hundred, some fortune one hundred companies. And, you know, when I saw that in black and white, I thought, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was my perception, and I think it's, it's borne out by the research. Um, and so it, it, it then kind of brings you around to, okay, well, how do I solve that? Like, it's not fair. I don't like it. But if that's true, then what do I do with that information?
2: Right. Uh, and, and how do you present yeah. yourself in those meetings?
0: That that's something Nicole and I were talking about last night. Um, one of the things that we both learn to do is be prepared before we go into a meeting. Yeah. We know who we're meeting with. We know their background. Mhm. Uh, even if I've never met them before, I, I do the background to find out what what I can possibly expect. I'll call colleagues and say, "Hey, I've never." you know, met this person, I don't know, what do you think? Uh, When I'm handling a case with a new attorney on the other side, doesn't matter what the gender is. I will pick up the phone. I initiate the call. And I will say, hi, this is Kay Baxter, and you and I haven't met. We haven't worked together before. But let me explain to you the way I like to handle things, which I, for me, it makes this job easier, and I hope it will make it easier for you as well. So I guess I sort of establish my, I'm going to say dominance okay. in that situation by taking charge first. I don't wait for them to contact me. Um, i confident that my reputation precedes me and that I say what I do and I do what I say. And I and that's a statement I often make to these people, just so you know, when you're dealing with me, if I tell you I'm going to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not gonna say one thing and do something else. So I think that is an important part of the communication. You, If you wanna be taken seriously and establish yourself It's a good idea to reach out first, I think. Try to figure out everything you can, but reach out first and let them know that you are, number one, you're competent, and number two, that it's easy to talk to you. You can pick up the phone, and I often say, you can call me any time you want. I have a funny story on that, but I'll let
2: Nicole Okay. Can, jump can I jump in? I want to jump in to say yeah. something from the psychological end of what you just shared. It, it's really intuitive what you do because what you're doing is establishing a connection with the person before the scheduled meeting even. And what that communicates is that you actually care. And I think research has shown it somewhere. I don't have the fact in my, the front of my brain, but when people feel, feel cared about, it helps them want to open their wallet and do business with you, it establishes trust in initial stages. So I think you're intuitively doing that throughout your career as you've been starting that first call, initiating that first contact.
0: Yay. Good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think it's
1: right. You know, one of the things that Kay and I were saying before we got on, on the line was, you know, hey, have you noticed that people interrupt you less the more they know you? And I think you tu- you just touched on that, Lisa. You know, the, the moment people feel as though you've established a connection, trust, you know, I always was kind of thinking about it. And, and, and maybe this is a facet, but I, I think you've, you've touched on something even greater. I always thought it was a facet of having earned people's respect. Respect in terms of my expertise, right? Like they're they're not going to interrupt because they think that I'm actually going to have something valuable to say and share. Yes. But perhaps you know the the deeper level is you know humans are humans they're humans and the more they like you and trust you, um, the less likely they are to behave in a way that's less false.
2: Mhm. Mhm. I think so as well.
0: I, I would uh, another area that we were, I really haven't talked about and I'm just going to touch on it very briefly is emails. Mm. Okay. Which is the preferred method of communication these days uh, certainly yeah. for for in in my business. Oh, in my industry it's yeah. I am as well, which is mm. you just
1: feel like a slap in the face. Yes. <laughs> <It> yes. <stops> <laughs>
0: <up>. <laughs> well, I mean I think people feel freer mm. and I see this more from uh, males to say disrespectful and really over-the-top things. Mm. Mm. I think I'm I, maybe it's because I, I am in a male-dominated industry that before I fire off that email, which I so desperately want to send yeah, and have typed out probably two or three responses about, look, asshole... I, uh, I say, okay, would that be really appropriate to send? How about if we do something a little different? Uh, quick story, because I know we're gonna take a break, but I, I received an email from a, a, an, a plaintiff attorney that I'd never had a case with before. He wasn't the one handling the case. And one morning I get an email that pops up and tells me to let my client know that he's gonna be really upset if he has to fly over to New Orleans to argue a motion that I had filed on behalf of my client. And I thought, really, buddy, really? So that was a situation where I uh, typed out several responses, but I thought better of it. And I, my my response was, well, I most certainly will let my client know, but please let your client know that uh, I'm always easy to talk to and easy to get a hold of. Feel free to call me at any time. I never had another minute's problem with that guy but we did not get off to a good start but i did think about how is this going to look so i didn't i didn't fire off my initial response
2: and it can be hard i want to come back to this topic a 30 second thank you to my sponsor and i'll be right back with you kay and nicole okay so, for you listeners of All Things Therapy, Audible is my sponsor, and they offer you a free audiobook download and month subscription by going to audibletrial.com forward slash All Things Therapy. They have over 180 book titles and lately I was recommended to listen to, I cannot stop listening to this book called You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen, J-E-N, Sincero. She is a coach and wealth expert And this book is funny, informative. She gives you little exercises to do. I highly recommend it. And if you haven't tried Audible books, I I just think they're a wonderful thing to put on while you're cleaning or driving. So check out Audible and the free book download and month subscription by being my listener. AudibleTrial.com forward slash all things therapy. So, Kay and Nicole, what the story you just shared and and about you use emails a lot, use instant messenger a lot. Those two places are the perfect forum for projection where we, I think, infer just feelings. Since it lacks emotion, we project whatever emotion we associate with that person, typically to the email to the instant message, and I I find it to be challenging as well as a therapist relying upon these methods of communication that we are reliant upon, so I'd love to know more about your experiences with this and other settings, and then I do have a couple questions for y'all, more towards the end, about how to handle certain situations I've been in and just really would like your feedback. Okay, well,
0: first of all, Kay, I use Audible, love it, love it, love it, love it. I've got probably eight books sitting in my in my queue right now. <laughs> yes. Um, I drive a lot. I'm on the road a lot. Anyway, uh, I absolutely agree. I had an email just this morning, and I was on the phone with another attorney, and I said, you see that email? And he said, yeah, it seemed a little, little you know, it wasn't appropriate. It was snippy. And so I've been toying with the idea, do I respond and let this guy know, "Hey buddy, I think you crossed the line here," or do I let it just pass? Okay. That's something I struggle with a lot in that as a female, I spend an inordinate amount of time, I think, trying to decide what's the appropriate way to get my message across so that they are listening and they won't immediately discount whatever I say, like, oh, oh yeah, right, an emotional, hormonal female. So that's something that, that I definitely struggle with and, like, the, you know, hear what Nicole and you have to say about
2: it. Yeah, yeah Nicole, I mean, how would you weigh in on this? I, I'll
1: tell you, I, I always try to rise above – on email communications, you know, and in particular, as a lawyer, I think about the fact that anything that's written exists forever. Yes. Mm. So,
2: okay. you know,
1: if, if I want to make a point or have a communication to um, try to reset tone, Uh, Before I respond to the email, I might put in a phone call and say, hey, I received your your email and I was a little bit taken aback by it because my sense is we were pulling in the same direction. And we were thinking we were both trying to come to the, you know, if you're a litigator, the best outcome for our respective clients And certainly, you know, in what I do, you know, we all start at point A, but everyone wants to end up at point B where a deal gets done and everyone makes money. So, you know, at the end of the day, kind of having a a side conversation that's tone setting can oftentimes be helpful. Um, But, you know, in terms of, of the actual email response, I will typically find that if I can respond in a very, very logical and analytical way Mm -hmm. and maybe a little uber polite, you know, um, thank you so much for your email. I'm in receipt and have studied it. I have the following responses, um, one, two, three, four, five logical points, um, you know, and then, end it with something like, you know, I'm very much looking forward to concluding this negotiation with you. Um, it, it becomes very, very difficult, I, I feel, for people to respond to something like that with, you know, kind of a continued heightened
2: emotion. I think it diffuses um, it, in fact, responding in that manner.
1: It, it's the intent, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, I, I find that regardless of how people are acting, Bringing folks back to touch the goal is oftentimes really helpful in level setting. So yes. maybe you don't like the fact that I'm a woman. Maybe you don't like the fact that I've risen through the ranks quickly. Maybe you don't like the way that I've delivered my message. Maybe you don't like the message that I'm delivering. But you know, coming back to what we're all trying to accomplish, you know, we're all trying to get this NGL business up and running for our clients. We're all trying to make sure that this purchase agreement gets signed. We're all trying to make sure that um, all the information that's required to be shared is appropriately shared in this litigation. Uh, it's helpful. It's helpful. it It sucks, I feel like it sucks some of the emotion out of the room. Um, which, you know, isn't always the best thing in some circumstances, but certainly from a business perspective, I think can be hugely
2: beneficial. I do, too. See, I what told you, you cold wonderful. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Boy. So what about, <laughs> what so about a, situ- a situation I wanted to ask you all about? I- I've been in a It hasn't happened recently, but there have been moments where I'm in having a conversation. There's a group conversation and I'll say something and it falls on deaf ears and and it's in person. So it's not on the phone or over a remote kind of Skype setting. And I notice I've sometimes said the same thing three times and it's as if no one hears me and I end up feeling frustration. And this hasn't happened lately, but I'm curious how to maybe some techniques without becoming irate. Hey, didn't you hear what I just said three times, which might be (laughs) one strategy in certain settings that could be appropriate. So I'd like your feedback.
0: I think Nicole has a perfect response to that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think...
1: You were saying that this was, it was an in-person setting, you know, I, I think there are some strategies that I've developed throughout, um, throughout my career, and, and it really kind of matters where you're placed, right? You know, when I was young in my career, kind of adopting the persona of the bratty little sister was very helpful, you know, okay. where I would be like, okay, I know I'm little, but I'm mighty. So why mm-hmm. hasn't, why isn't anyone paying attention to what I'm saying? Right. right. That
0: sort of interjects some humor into the situation. It does. Kay. Which, yeah. yes, Which allows them, oh, okay. Yeah. That gets their attention and causes them to focus on you.
1: Right. And, and maybe you, you get a laugh, right? right? You know, like, you know, e- even, you know, nicknaming yourself, people call me mighty mouse. Why aren't you guys listening to me?
2: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and it it can it can be helpful. But you know, thankfully I've moved on from that point in my career, right? Like that was really, really challenging trying to make a name as as a young female in a male dominated industry. It was really challenging. Now I find, you know, I can utilize some nonverbal cues. You know, people love talking about themselves. They love mm-hmm. it when their voice is being heard in the room. And so if you can kind of withdraw your consent to someone else speaking, they'll eventually kind of tail off, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when they yes. realize that you've kind of checked out on them, you know, they're going to kind of come back to you, you yes. know. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll use like a nonverbal cue, like I'll, I'll just hold up my finger and just leave it there. Uh-huh. And look away.
0: I like that. Yeah, I'm laughing because I will actually put my arm in the air like I was in uh, grade school and go, raising your hand. Pick me,
1: pick me, right? Like I really need your attention. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I've got something great to say. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, and I mean also as as someone senior in a room. It can be really helpful to use voice modulation. You know, one of the guys I know who can control a meeting, probably the best of anyone I've ever seen, he used to drop his voice to this very low tone. And you would see the entire table leaning in, Mm -hmm. literally just trying to catch what he was saying. But it also kind of added this feeling of gravitas, you know, in that you're looking around the room and everyone is literally on the edge of their seat, waiting for this yes. guy to say something. Um, and and, and so you know, it can it can be helpful to think about, okay, I've repeated myself three times. How do I do it? You know. On the phone, it can be a lot more challenging. I mean, I had a situation just recently where I raised a point three times. There was a document that I, I needed before the transaction could be progressed. And it was clear the other side did not want to provide that document. Mm-hmm. And it was repeatedly ignored. And so finally, at the end of the call, you know, because you know, I had no time frame, I had no commitment on the production of the document, I finally had to say, "Hey, folks, am I having some technical difficulties? Can you not hear me?" Yes. And everyone kind of piped up. Oh no, no, we can hear you. And I was like, "Okay, great. So when can I get a commitment on the <laughs> document?" Wonderful. Um,
0: so you did hear my. Request. <laughs> so you did. Yes, you
1: did not hear. Me. Um, and you were like hearing me. Um, but it's you know, it's not my. It's, it wasn't my preferred methodology or approach because you know once again i think at, at least in what i do collaboration is so important and you know collaboration with the with the counsel on the other side and mm-hmm. establishing a rapport is hugely beneficial to my client you know i think You know, I litigated for a year, and one of the things that made it very clear that I was ill-suited to um, be a litigator was I wasn't really good at calling the folks on the other side opposing counsel. (laughs) And um, when that was pointed out to me, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not, maybe this isn't my gig. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is mine. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, we
2: all have different strengths and weaknesses. So it sounds like you both have found the areas of law to practice in, which speak to your strengths. Well, uh, I think I think that's
0: exactly correct. Uh, and looking to to Nicole, uh, I think that she is probably better at this than I am. And I certainly think men are maybe better at it. Small talk. When mm-hmm. I am initiating a call or to discuss business. I want to get right to the business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about hey, how about them saints or you know what are those? How about those Cubbies? Woohoo! You know I like sports. I don't want to take my time or their time. Their time, right? right. Can or your
1: clients' time, right? Because we bill by the hour. Oh, yes. Yeah,
0: we bill by the by the hour by the six minute increment. Yeah, and so. I like to tell my clients I can do warm and fuzzy, but it's going to cost you more.
2: Okay. So so you're direct because about if I that. Have
0: to, yeah, if I have to chat them up before I get to the point, but the meter's running, and it's not something I like. And so sometimes I wonder if that is part of the, I'm going to say disconnect, but I maybe too strong a word, with trying to talk with male colleagues.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: that's why I'm perceived sometimes as being abrupt is because I do, I do, if there's something I have to talk about, I just want to talk about it and move on.
1: Right. 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 Well, mean, we, And we all have a to-do list. And I, I yeah. think particularly yeah. we as women, our to-do list is, um, you know, I love my husband, he's great, but my to-do list is longer than his. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, and I think, you know, particularly if you have young kids at home and, you know, there's so much that you have to accomplish in a day, kind of taking that moment to establish a rapport can feel onerous. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah.
2: Has it helped, Kay, when you do let a client know, I really value your time, so I'd like to jump right into getting business done since we are billing, and does that help, you know, with cutting through the small talk when you do state that at the get-go?
0: I think my clients already know that about me, but I do tell them that. I'll say, you know, I can do, uh, in fact, I tell them at the initial uh, conversation when I get hired, Now uh, you know, just so you know, I am a direct person. I'm not going to, I'm not going to report just for the, um, um, you know, you know, to be doing something. I if if I don't have something to say, you're not gonna hear from me. But I ask my clients, is that good for you? If there's nothing happening in this case, then I'm not going to waste my time and charge you money to gin up a report or, you know, just to be doing something. But if you need that for your uh, records you tell me what your comfort level is and what you need what can I do to make your job easier because that's what my job is making your job easier so tell me what it is you need but I am very clear in my initial communications with the client what they can expect from me I let them know if there's nothing happening, you won't hear from me. If the minute something happens, you'll hear from me immediately. Uh, if I need your input, you're really going to hear from me. I'll pick up the phone. I'll call you. But uh, at the outset, I'll do whatever it is you need to, um, you know, make your life and job easier. And that is has worked for me just fine. Yeah, no, it's helpful. I, I will say that. You know, a lot of my
1: clients, because of the nature of my business, are elsewhere in the world, yeah, not right, just right. in the U.S. And and so and and at one point in my career, I worked for a Japanese company. At another point in my career, I worked for a Swiss company. And it was really hugely important for me in both of those circumstances. It was a great learning and 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 training ground for me to understand how important culture was in my job effectiveness. Yes. Because, you know, really those first three months at the Japanese company, I could get nothing done because I didn't understand what Mm. I needed to do to make myself hurt cross-culturally. And, you know, the things that I can say to my U.S. clients, you know, I think – Okay, you know, your example of saying, you know, look, I want to show up for you and get things done. And I want to be the most effective. That is a hugely U.S. perspective. And it's it's gonna land very, very well with your U.S. clients. I bet they get off the phone and they cheer and they go, "Yay, we hired Ted!" I bet. Yeah. <laughs> everyone should, by the way. But yes. But you know, if if I do that with one of my clients in Singapore, for example, um, it, it will not land well. Like I know that I have to spend you know, 10 to 15 minutes. What's the weather in Singapore? Do you have any vacations planned? You know, what's going on with you? You know, and then it starts bleeding into, oh, I heard from so-and-so about this deal yesterday, right? And then you're like, oh, now we're ready to talk business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, Great. Yeah. But my German clients, for example, like, once again, they would love that if I called them and was like, look, I know I haven't spoken to you in a hot minute, but like I have things to say. They'll be like, Yes, yeah. love it. You know? So, like, understanding how to set your tone cross culturally can be it, really important. It goes yeah.
0: Back to the know your audience. Know your yes, audience. Yeah, it, it does. Whoever you're going to be speaking with, take the time to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if you're dealing with someone from another country, I've I, Got a Canadian client from Quebec, and this morning, and he is very direct. Okay. And it launches right into exactly what he wants to talk about. There's no pleasantries. And at first, I was quite taken aback. I thought, God, he hates me. No, in fact, he does not hate me. <laughs> right, right. I like you more because you're willing to
1: get to Because the point. I
0: say, okay, bam, 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 this is what we're doing. And yep, here's the answer to your question, that kind of thing. So, just um, setting yeah.
2: expectations Absolutely. is really. Important that you both have been talking about, be it cross-culturally or within our own culture, that people do have different expectations, I think, of us and to really bring that out on the table.
1: Yeah, 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 no, it's it's true. I mean, I think where you can, it's really helpful to do that, you know, and to have a Some, direct
2: conversation. Because sometimes it's not apparent, which I, I think is the point you're making. It's not always apparent. What, so then it's navigating when something blows up or goes awry or starts to feel awkward, then how to handle those moments. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So what else is important for you both to share? I want you to let listeners know how they can reach out to both of you. Should they want to work with you uh, legally or if they just want to know more about this topic? And, and then like, what you'd like to leave us with.
0: Wow, that's that's a big uh, <laughs> that's a big ask. Um, it is, but I know you're. Yeah, it really is. What we want, what we want to leave them with, uh, very quickly. You know, Kay Baxter. I'm at the law firm of Cosmic Simmons and Brown. I I'm licensed in multiple states. I love what I do. I love taking on a challenge for a client. Uh, my work is all defense work. Uh, I've done. I have done some plaintiff work. Uh, I just enjoy the practice of law. I'm very lucky in that. And uh, I think my takeaway is is something Nicole and I were talking about last night when we were talking about mentoring and our experiences with trying to communicate and what we've learned through the years. And I think the biggest thing that I try to impart to everyone I talk to Uh, especially my young female attorneys and even my male associates, is that, you know, this is what's worked for me, but you need to figure out what it is your goal is, what you want to accomplish, and learn how to present yourself in the situations where you want to be heard. I think very often people are afraid to speak up and to express, Uh, what they want and what they need. I frequently tell my mother and my children and my close friends, you know, people can't read minds. I'm pretty good Mm -hmm. at it sometimes when I get close enough to you, but Mm -hmm. most people cannot read minds. So you need to learn to be able to say what you need to say, and you don't need to apologize or feel badly or apologetic for saying what it is you need to say, you know, to promote your mental health and to achieve your goals.
2: Yes. Yes. I like that. um, Nicole? I can be
1: reached at uh, tradingcouncilsolutions.com. I have a website. So um, if anyone's interested in my background or experience, uh, my firm, Trading Council Solutions, offers affordable and pragmatic trading advisement, including uh, derivatives uh, and international swap and derivative association agreements. Additionally, um, multi-commodity transactional advisement and regulatory advisement. Um, you know, I, I would love to leave folks with, particularly you know, folks who, who are working actually um, in-house with companies. Uh, a rising tide uh, raises all ships. You know, Promoting other women and supporting them creates opportunities for everybody. A more mm-hmm. diverse workplace is a more honest workplace you know, being mindful of the type
2: of culture that you're creating around you. I love that, Nicole. Thank you both for being my guests. This was, it's the first time I've ever had two people and it, I loved it. I love the energy between you both. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, yes, Lisa. we enjoyed it. You're welcome. I hope you hey, have a wonderful we're willing question. to come back. I love that. Let's <laughs> play another show later in the year with a different topic. All right, we're on. I love it. Okay, I hope you both have a really great day. Thank you, too. Thanks, Thanks,
0: for you welcome. And to the listeners.
2: Yes. Thank you. Bye. 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 -bye. That concludes our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in each week to listen. And tune back in next Thursday as I bring you another episode. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa
1: Tahir.